0: So today I have here Gary, who is the hypnotic painter, and we're going to go over basically what he does, his transition from um, the trades field into mental health and kind of what drew him to that and what uh, what keeps him going. So, hey, Gary, how's it going today?
1: Hey, Zach, I'm really, really well. I just um, really appreciate your invite. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, no problem. And I guess we can go kind of right into... Uh, how we met we actually met on a tradesperson chat group i guess on facebook you'd call it
1: yeah yeah i was um working away and decided to to make a post and you reached out to me which was brilliant
0: yeah i think what i really what i really liked about your your post is you were mentioning if tradespeople out there felt they needed or they would be interested in a mental health group kind of trade specific and that uh that obviously drew my attention because it's kind of along the same vein as this. And I, it was kind of, it was cool to see that other people out there were interested in it proactively being you, and then that you actually drew a fair bit of interest from people responding to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, like we've had a chat before and I said, you know, I've had a painting business for 20 years and I still run it. And, you know, I've had some difficult times. It's, it's been tough um, being self-employed, and you know all the pressures that come with it. And it was when I trained to be a hypnotherapist; um, it was actually over a fear of a fear of flying. Um, but after my training, it was always my gut instinct to to kind of help tradesmen, you know, because I know know what tradesmen kind of go through. So yeah, it was just my gut all along to kind of get to where I am now.
0: I think that's great, and that you mentioned that. You know, I mean, you're, you're a very relatable, regular guy. And I think it comes across in your, in your um, kind of the mental health videos that you're sharing on your page. And I think that's huge, especially in relating to tradespeople, because I'm sure you notice it too. I mean, a lot of us don't like kind of the fancier language when it comes to that kind of thing. It's, it's nice to be kind of straight to the point.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like the environments we work in as well, it's, it's it's known that there's somebody out out there that they can talk to. And, you know, that's why I've set up my group just recently. And it's going to be a, a safe place to talk and reach out. And I'm aiming it at, yes, tradesmen, but people in general anyway. And just, just to show that I'm a, a regular guy, I just want to help people uh, within a group setting. And if people want to work with me individually, that's fine. But I'm certainly not going to push for it because, you know, people need to get to know me. And it's the best way, I feel, to, to set up this group.
0: Oh, I agree. And I, I definitely say based on kind of the content that you've already put out there, it you come across that way, too, that you're not trying to force sell yourself on anybody. But it's, it is really good to kind of get to see you and get to know you in that sense. It definitely develops a bit of trust, I'd feel anyway.
1: Yeah, 100 percent, because, you know, I've tried different adverts, Facebook and Google, but how can you expect somebody to really work with you when they just don't know you? Um, it's, it's almost impossible. Um, a lot of my clients are through recommendations, but yeah, I, it just feels really good to be able to be myself and post and yeah, just, just reach out to people really because when, when I set up initially, I was kind of finishing my painting jobs, getting home, getting a shave, putting on a nice t-shirt and then kind of I was almost living like a double life and it just, I, it just wasn't flowing well. So I just decided to set it up, be myself and be honest with people. You know, I'm, I'm a hypnotherapist, but I also run a trades business.
0: I think that's great to branch out to, especially following what you, you really want to do. I think that's awesome. So I guess we could start by, uh, I'll just ask you, what is cognitive her- therapy, Sorry, cognitive hypnotherapy and what is your specialty?
1: okay so it's quite a unique approach um, there's a few principles which we can I can briefly explain now um, the first is that we believe trance is an everyday occurrence so when people come to us with anxiety or a phobia they're, they're already in a trance so I don't need to actually hypnotize them I almost need to dehypnotize people um, you know when they're a 20 stone builder is afraid of a little chihuahua dog you know he's (laughs) his brain's shut down you know he's already in trance i don't need to hypnotize him so we we get we take him out of a trance-like state um the second principle is that we believe all behavior and i say we because it's a it's a group of people that i've trained with and there's a a lovely community amongst us all
0: and we all share the
1: same principles you know so the second being all behavior has a purpose and we can get into it a bit more later or on another podcast, but you know, we run basically 90% of our day subconsciously and not only is it subconscious behavior, it's automatic behavior as well.
0: I can relate so, to that.
1: Yeah. I mean the guy, you know, the 20 stone builder, muscle bound, scared of a dog there's, there's a purpose, you know, the, his subconscious believes he's actually helping him out. You know, he's protecting him. So we, we just look at look at every behaviour. And the third principle, really, is based on we believe everybody is unique. And we often ask, what's you know, any behaviour, what's that about and how can I use it? So we look at a client's own model of their world because we are all unique. So there's no one script that fits, you know, a dog phobia or fear of flying or anxiety. We look at a person uh, in a unique way. You know, we look at their uniqueness and how... they're doing their problem that's that's
0: yeah sorry go ahead
1: yeah i was just saying you know we 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 use a variety of techniques you know gestalt nlp cbt positive psychology so it's it's a combination of some really great methods and interventions um and we have you know the success success rate is really good
0: that's great and cbt when you refer to that that's cognitive behavioral therapy Correct, yes. Okay, I've read a lot of really good reviews on that and how it's helped a lot of people, especially unearthed kind of that deep, um, that almost, the stuff that was kind of implanted from childhood. And I imagine that's probably where most of this stuff comes comes from, hey?
1: Absolutely. I mean, when, when we're between like the ages of zero, some say up to 16, like our subconscious just works on nominal terms. So, you know, as a boy, if you were told you were naughty... You could literally take it on, literally. You know, you, you can't rationalize as children. You can't say, oh, perhaps in this instant when I was drawing on my bedroom wall, you know, I was naughty. You, you, you right. can take it as black and white. So, yeah, a lot of problems are from childhood. Um, even if you've had a wonderful childhood, you know, you could misinterpret certain events um, which you can carry forward into your adult life.
0: That's interesting. I mean, I've I've had a fair bit of... I don't know about if therapy would be the right term, but at least um, a lot of counseling when I was younger. It had to do a lot with my parents' divorce, which happened when I was six, seven. So kind of right in those formative years, as I'm yeah. sure. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I found that there was, it was great help to me. Same with kind of as I got older, a lot of self-reflection and looking at different behavioral patterns that may have been related to that. Like I had, I had a pretty severe kind of avoidance of any... Any kind of conflict for a long time, especially verbal. yeah, um, and that just came from you know being in a house with a lot of conflict, a lot of yelling, and I that that was something that I found that the therapy and the counseling really helped with. And but it's something I still even to this day kind of have to take time to self-reflect on a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because you know you would know as an adult rationally, that some conflict, you, you know you do have conflict sometimes, and most times you're not going to get hurt from it. But subconsciously, your old outdated programs are running in the back of your head, and it equates to you know when unhappy times. Um, but it kicks in automatically. So the difficulty is, consciously, we struggle as adults because we don't know what's causing our behaviours. You know, it just kicks in automatically before we can consciously do anything about it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's what it always came down to. To me, it would just be kind of I could feel my heart rate elevating I would try to avoid or get out of those situations a lot Um, but you're right like it wasn't any logical response to it as soon as you could kind of as soon as I could feel feel that tension rising in the air I would start to yeah try to back out or retreat right away
1: yeah so your fight or flight kicks in you know you it's a survival mechanism
0: yeah that's that's interesting it's really amazing to kind of look back at that and see the roots of what causes it and how deep it really goes like I mean I'm thirty now and it's still something that I kind of deal with, but I've obviously like you said, being an adult, I can differentiate. But yeah. it's uh it's it's wild to see how far back it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean I had a client recently, she was in her sixties and she still had, you know, big problems and jealousy towards her sister and we had a little conversation and you know, when she had like this jealous rage, I'm like, Well, how old do you feel now? And she's like, Well, I'm you know, sixty or sixty four, whatever she was and I said, yeah, but how old do you really feel inside? And, you know, she dug deep and she's like, I feel like I'm 10, you know?
0: That's she that's amazing.
1: Behaving as a 10 year old. And she was so shocked, um, but it wasn't her fault. You know, none of, anybody that comes to me, I always say, look, it's not your fault. You know, we, we I explain what's gone on. And just by explaining it sometimes is enough to, to shift certain problems.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I was also just going to loop back to your page. And you had done a three part video series on self worth. Mm -hmm. And the the one part that really stood out to me um, was you kind of described the imposter syndrome thinking that, you know, what do I have to offer people like, in your case, you were saying, you know, I'm just a tradesperson. like, how can I help these people who's going to want to hear me? And yeah. I thought that was that was really helpful to me specifically. I'm I'm sure tons of people have this feeling, but uh, especially in starting this podcast. I mean, we're both regular guys from the trades, and so it's kind of I, I imagine it's pretty pretty easy to kind of struggle with that idea. Like, why would anybody want to hear what I have to say or my perspective on anything? So yeah, I 100%. I yeah, I just wanted to let you know that that really hit me, and that that definitely applied to what I'm going through right now.
1: Yeah, I mean that's brilliant because you know, it's just a, a limited belief, isn't it? It's a belief that's not true. And when I spoke to you, I said, you you know, I listened to a couple of your podcasts. I said, they just you come across brilliant. You know, you're so good. And um, so I it's really just made up it. in our head, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get it. And same with seeing your videos. I mean, hearing that you've struggled with that, it, it comes across the same way. Like, really? Like, if you can struggle with that, it kind of it helps me feel like, oh, okay, well, he's struggling with this and he's at this point, like, I can probably get through this too.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like, the way you come across is, is brilliant. It's just one of those limiting beliefs, you know, from, from when we're very young, we, we build up our version of our world, you know, our, our belief system, which when we get to adulthood, it, it creates our, you know, that's our identity. But when you start looking at our beliefs, are they really our beliefs or are they beliefs that were imposed on us? And then we can just start to, it's kind of like a Jenga tower, you know, the ones which are not a, serving us, you know, we can start to poke them out a little bit because they're not true and poke out all the blocks which are not true and just break down, you know, the tower, the false tower, which we believe we have about ourselves.
0: I like, and, I, I like that analogy.
1: Yeah, not everyone's going to like us. But that's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. I try to repair relationships here and there as I go through life. But I agree, there's going to be some that you're just two different people. It's water and oil. They're not going to mix.
1: Yeah, maybe that comes with age a little bit as well. Because when you're young, you know naturally you want to fit in in your environment and your peers, and you know that's you know we want to sort of fit in, don't we? But oh, yeah, uh, that's as a strong we, get older, we we feel ourselves a bit more and who we want to be
0: Totally. You know what's funny is trying to convey that to my sons. like my nine year old is kind of right in the middle of that socialization phase where we've gotten a few calls from school where he's kind of joined in with the the popular or bullying group type thing, and we yeah. try to explain that. But it's almost impossible to get through to kids is that one day you're going to just find yourself and you're going to find your own crowd. <laughs> like you don't you don't have to chase the crowd. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. And, you know, trust me, I, I've tried work on my kids and it's impossible.
0: <laughs> They're like, like, shut up, dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I imagine with I imagine with your own kids, that's exactly how it's going to be. Do you so, know what?
1: Just a, a quick sidetrack. I've got a good, really good tip for children.
0: Oh, it sounds good. Um, so, yeah,
1: they don't listen to me at all. Right. <laughs> um, but what what I tend to do. So I'll give my son, for example, if he's facing a challenge he's Thirteen. If he's facing something which is challenging, you know, I don't try and give too much advice because, like I say, they don't listen to me anyway. <laughs> but when he's done that challenge, I I give him like it's called an, an anchor in an LP where I would sort of when he comes in, I'd maybe give him a rub on the shoulders and just say, "Well done, mate. That's brilliant." And what you do is whenever he's achieved something or he's you know been a bit nervous and done it anyway, if you give him a rub on the shoulder or a high five or whatever it may be. You, you create an an anchor which they can use in the future so it kind of stacks over a period of time so say in the future he's lacking a bit of confidence or a bit worried by just rubbing his shoulders that creates that automatic anchor to give him that positivity yeah and it's just a little subtle kind of technique which is um it's brilliant
0: i think that's that's great i mean as I was telling you kind of before we started this, like I, I really am kind of obsessed with psychology and I've read a lot of books um, pertaining to children and raising kids. And that mm-hmm. was one thing that I had read is a common thread through everything is kind of giving them that positive reinforcement. And it's it's not in the form of candy or a toy every time, like you can just be kind words or like you said, like a pat on the back. And that really that really reinforces the good behavior and the behavior that you're trying to cultivate in them.
1: Absolutely. Because, you know, they're still young. They're trying to work it all out. Remember, their brains are not even working properly at the moment. Yeah. So you've got to be careful. You've got to choose your words really wisely.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great lesson to kind of keep keep in mind right with anybody. I mean, be it apprentices or kids, but to kind of always really notice the good stuff and, and try to make a point of, of uh, giving them a pat on the back or some kind words for it
1: yeah exactly and you know like in a trades game as well you know that side probably doesn't come across as it should perhaps you know it can be a brutal environment <laughs> yeah, um yeah but yeah you know you gotta you gotta give people credit and like you say just a pat on the back and um y- yeah you gotta be careful you gotta look off gotta be kind to each other
0: yeah i completely agree what i what i find is interesting i mean even with us connecting like just the idea that there are a lot of these people within trades who are interested in such a larger scope of ideas, like you being into into um, hypnotherapy or me wanting to try to start this podcast to try to build up those deeper conversations a lot, because I'm sure you notice it too. You you don't oftentimes get the opportunity on site to have conversations like this where people will actually open up.
1: No, you don't. And you you may well more blokes may want it, you know, but they won't admit it. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're put on a the front. Um, they believe it's who they are, perhaps. Um, and, yeah, it, a space is needed to, to talk sometimes. And that's why guys, there's lots of groups for guys because they, they struggle, don't they? You know, most it's mostly kind of ladies I get client-wise. Yeah. Um, guys struggle to open up. But, you know, there's nothing wrong in opening up.
0: No, and I think the culture is really moving forward on that. I don't know. I don't know if there was a specific day recently, but I remember noticing a lot more even Facebook ads or ads on TV regarding men's mental health. I have a feeling it probably coincides with the lockdown right now, but it was talking about how kind of the suicide rate levels in men specifically. So I'm thinking that there are, at least it's moving in a por- forward direction that people are kind of taking notice of this and trying to reach out.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, again, it, it probably boils down to a belief, you know, maybe from their father, you got to be a tough boy and, you know, suck it up and get on with it. But, you know, for some people it works. Like in, in football, for example, you know, you can... Some kid, if he has a manager scream at him and tell him to play better, it can motivate him. But for other children, it, they can find it tough. Um, so it's just... You know, it's all—it boils down to everybody's model of their world, and you know, we we need to to tread carefully.
0: Right, and by football, you're talking about what I would call soccer, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: soccer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I forget the cultural divide sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, based, so what you're basically saying there too is just how everybody is different. When you when you kind of build up this anxiety or these belief systems about yourself it it can really change the way you view your environment, can't it?
1: Yeah. In what, in what sense as well, do you mean by that, Zach?
0: I just mean, like, it'll, it'll influence kind of your reactions to things. Like, would you say that by having, you know, if you have these implanted ideas, maybe you would expect the worst in people or maybe misconstrue something that they're saying as something that's maybe attacking to you?
1: Yeah, because everybody's model is different. Right. You know, you could be a, a, a kind of visual person um, and, you know, in, in the way your language you talk, you kind of see stuff all the time. Oh, it, it just doesn't look right. You know, that kind of language um, against someone who's quite a kinesthetic kind of person and they feel it in their body. And it, it, once you learn and you recognize everybody's different model of their world, you can adjust your, your language and how you deal with people.
0: Yeah, I I think that's yeah I think that's fascinating. I mean, again, like I think a lot of this back to my kids. Although I'm sure they'll be like yours, where they won't listen to me when it comes to that stuff. But even in, in just doing whatever I can to reinforce the good behavior and to really kind of cultivate it in them.
1: Yeah. So if your son is like, "Oh, Dad, I feel a certain way," or "When I go to school," or "I feel a certain way when I play football," you know, he's you got to look at his language, and then you can kind of change how he feels perhaps by changing how he feels inside um it's yeah language is amazing
0: yeah that's that's interesting i actually coached him in soccer or football for uh, i think it was two years but um when he was five and six and he's uh you definitely notice that the different kids everybody kind of has different levels of confidence different levels of skill and you have to kind of deal with them all differently but i thought that was i thought it was interesting because my son's quite sensitive and he you know even when he's when he's out there playing he doesn't want to get aggressive he doesn't want to tackle somebody off the ball he's kind of he's more passive in the way he plays Mm -hmm. and um yeah I just found it fascinating to see the the way that kids are so different even at that young age like they obviously they kind of have different personalities but but different kind of mentalities implanted on them as well
1: yeah 100% and you know you're you're doing a great job by recognizing that you know, he is a certain way and, you know, we have to respect that everybody's, everybody's an individual and they see their world in a unique way.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that could be another thing for another podcast, but. Um,
1: yeah, we, we could do a whole podcast on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, really, when it comes to stuff like this, you're not going to get through it in a 30 or 40 minute conversation. Like, I mean, I, n- next time we could always go into um, personal experiences from mine, kind of where. I think and maybe you can kind of analyze along with me what may have kind of shaped the person that I am. But I like I mean, I I reference back to it a lot, but I think a lot of it came through having three younger sisters and going through a divorce at age six and seven that really kind of it sets the the course. And then now I'm trying to kind of fix and pick apart things at this stage in life. But I know for a long time, at least 10, 15 years, it just felt like running on autopilot when I look back on it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you look at what your words, what you've just said, you know, running on autopilot. That's what you've you've been doing in effect. And perhaps recently you've becoming more consciously aware of your subconscious behavior, which is automatic. And quite often I find, you know, not with every client, but we need to deal up, deal with some issues from childhood. But just from dealing with like a first event they can relate it to can have a butterfly effect up until their lives now you know it's amazing just by changing a belief or a situation to see it wasn't ever about about them you know it was just their interpretation of what went on so like you say with you know your family and the disruption you know if you if you see it with eyes from you as an adult and not as a child not as a child it just totally changes your your outlook
0: that's amazing. I think that's probably inspiring to a lot of people who maybe can't pinpoint what is causing them to feel this way or why yeah. they react to certain situations this way. Because with people like you helping them, they can really kind of isolate and pick apart that um, that behavior that started at a really young age.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've you know just a few um, past clients. I had a lady of fear of flying and it was, it, it went back to her time at school when she started her secondary school and she felt left out and all these kind of feelings. And she would never have linked it to her fear of flying. Um, and for me personally, when I saw a cognitive therapist years ago, it mine was about a fear of flying. But when I look back, it was a lot of anxiety based as well. Yeah. But in particular, my fear of flying is I was six years old and went to Spain and my brother and sister we went for a walk when we arrived and they i got lost (laughs) and uh (laughs) i was gone for hours and i remember it being dark and crying trying to cross a road and you know it's very very traumatic well as an adult i didn't relate me getting lost in spain to my fear of flying it it didn't seem relatable you know i didn't really recall much of it right you imagine the impression it made on my subconscious being abroad equals danger well, I'm going to give you bodily sensations where you feel you want to fight or flight. you know. I don't want you going abroad because it equals danger. But right. as an adult, I was like, what's wrong with me? I feel like a freak. You know, why can't I enjoy a holiday with my family? <laughs> I couldn't work it out.
0: No, I, I can imagine. But now, at least looking back on it, it makes a lot of sense and where that's rooted in.
1: God, massive. You know, the, the old, older rational me knew it was safe to fly. And it was never really about flying. Right. It was just a feeling I had in my stomach. But my younger self, you know, my young Gary, he was still this scared, scared boy.
0: That's interesting. I mean, another thing that I find that's not related directly to the divorce, but that I've, I've kind of noticed um, a lot of in my behavior between kind of 18 and 25, kind of that stage where you're out partying with your friends or whatever, socializing a lot. I used to always I was the designated driver a lot and it was because I almost had this fear of being trapped anywhere. I never wanted to feel that I couldn't escape a situation. And I think that came back to a lot of that conflict that I talked about, but all the way kind of through that, that set of years, I either had to have a strict um, designated driver set up who I trusted, or it would be me most of the time because I just, I needed to escape any situation. I I could never feel trapped. And I mean, that's still something I kind of deal with today, but at least now, I've kind of noticed it like that it wasn't just being a control freak or something like that or needing, needing that. I just, I needed to have an escape plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's your, your flight kicking in, isn't it? You know, you, you know, just, you know, I'm obviously guessing here because it's your own version, but as a child, it makes sense. You felt trapped perhaps, you know, there was a lot of it was hostile at home. Um, you had no control over it. Absolutely. And control is such a massive, And part of anxiety, wanting to be in control all the time, you know, having that control to, and as an adult, you can have control. You know, you can do what you say, you can be the designated driver. Um, You know, if you don't want to go on a plane, you don't have to. Yeah. But having that control just, it restricts you so much. Um, And a lot about giving up anxiety or releasing anxiety is just letting go of that control aspect
0: yeah that's that's yeah that's great to hear and that it sounds like a lot of the same kind of the same kind of words that i was getting when i was in counseling and therapy especially when i was younger but i went back again in my kind of mid-20s um just to kind of tweak a few things and i i got a ton of value from it
1: Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and just just by reaching out and you know you're still a young guy and you know, it's good to reach out at any age, you know, you can change at any age, you know, your brain's plastic, it can change. Yeah, you don't want to live your life in your 40s and 50s still, you know, having these kind of burdens, you, you, you want to be have a bit of freedom.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Well, I must say you've blown apart my preconceptions of a hypnotherapist. You know, I always think of at a show, somebody hypnotized someone to dump a thing of water on them or, you know, like that's from media and everything. That's the only kind of view that I had of hypnotherapy. So you've definitely opened my eyes to this. Well,
1: do you know what, Zach? Just lately, I've been getting into more kind of hypnosis in in what you're talking about. And yeah, there's some little tricks I can still do, you know, (laughs) Uh, there's some amazing stuff you can do. That's... um it, it you know some of it where you're getting a hand moving all by itself or you're getting your, somebody's eyes to shut and they can't open them oh geez you know it's all it's all doable it's all good fun um, it it acts as a really good convincer in the sense but when I say I'm working with like hypnosis is working with your subconscious directly yeah so changes can make can be you know can happen but just these little convincers um, are really good some with some clients they say oh you can't hypnotize me i can't change and i'm like well you haven't been able to open your eyes for five minutes <laughs>
0: <laughs> see it is working i told you
1: yeah uh... i mean it, it's not you know my cognitive hypnotherapy i it wasn't necessarily necessarily taught that way but um there's a few guys i follow like mike mandel uh freddie jackwin who's in uk based and um, those guys are just brilliant and uh I mix up a bit you know a bit of everything and <laughs> like with a groove hub have set up you know i'm gonna i'm gonna introduce some of it as well because it is so it's fun and uh, but it's also quite pa- quite powerful
0: well i really look forward to it i like yeah i mean the group you've had it up for what three to four days now and i like the videos i've seen i've seen all of them i believe and they're all they're all helpful like they're all applicable to i think anybody
1: yeah i believe so you know i don't want it complicated i want to have some fun where we can. Uh, I want to build it up and like I say, do some weekly lives. Um, It might just be a live on Facebook or on zoom. I'm not sure yet, Um, but get some more people in. But yeah, it's new and I'm quite excited to, you know, express, you know, how I feel as well in my journey. And also now people are aware I'm also do painting, you know, I still set up a few subcontractors and run some jobs. It's it's nice to have the freedom to, to post in the daytime and just it's who I am, you know.
0: Yeah, that's great, and I think I think uh, at least to the group that you've exposed it to so far, myself included, you you come across really well, like just kind of an an everyday guy who you can talk to, and you know you can really relate to a lot of people who go through who are going through everyday struggles, especially the fact that this same therapy worked for you, getting over your phobia of flying.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I believe as well, you know, to be yourself is you, you can't. It's so valuable because a lot of people train for a week in NLP or um, you know in various schools, and they you see it where they're posting, and it's like they're full time hypnotherapists. Or but a lot of people are. I know some really good hypnotherapists which are not full time.
0: Yeah.
1: And deserve to be, but they need to kind of get out more and show who they are um, to be full-time.
0: Well, hopefully all four of my listeners come check you out, (laughs) but I'm hoping, who knows, maybe we'll grow our pages together here because that's, I mean, I'm not going to be giving up on this. Um, I think a lot of the videos that you're even putting out have kind of helped spur me on in this direction. Like I said, specifically the one kind of regarding self-worth and that imposter syndrome um so i i just wanted to say thank you and i guess i think this has been a pretty good introduction to your services if there's anything else that you wanted to add but um then after if you just wanted to kind of plug your page and in the uh in the podcast bio when i put this out or on the socials i will tag your your group in it as well if you're all right with that
1: yeah 100 percent no i just want to thank you zach for the invite um you know with your four members and my 17 members we're going to be uh (laughs) What an army. <laughs> what an be army. Flying. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, at least we're being real, and that's what I really like. And my final message is really, if you want to join, I, I honestly, you know, I mean it. There have been no upsells. I don't want any email addresses or anything. You know, just just come along, check it out. Um, I'm, excited today. I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to help people. I've got so much, so much to show. And equally, Zach, I'll, I'll share your your details as well with my contacts and um, yeah, this this time next year we, we'll be flying. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. I appreciate that. And I can definitely attest to that. There's no upsells. He's not, uh, he's not farming for your email addresses and neither am I to the people who have reached out to me. I thank you. Um, you're not on a mailing list. So don't worry. I'm not going to be sending out weekly or daily updates or sells to you.
1: Yeah. And just a final word as well, you know, whatever, Whoever's listening, however you're feeling, I just want to say it's not your fault, okay? Um, It's your subconscious. Most of the time, it's running you automatically. And, you know, we can tap into it and we can change it. So just don't be hard on yourselves. Um, Changes can be made.
0: Thank you very much, Gary. And so, again, I'm going to link it in the socials for this and on the podcast, uh, the descriptor as well. But his page is uh, Gary Proctor. It's the um, hip, the hypnotic painter, and uh, again, I'll link it, and we'll uh, hopefully you guys check it out and get a lot of positive reinforcement from him because he's yeah he's a very positive guy and very relatable. Good stuff, Zach. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. I hope you found that conversation as interesting and as informative as I did. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. Once again, please search for the Hypnotic Painter group on Facebook and follow Gary for his insight and content. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook and at Jacket Plaid on Twitter. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and have a great week.